Amazi Beauty presents a different kind of beauty. I am your host, Katle Hotzoku, partner at Amazi Beauty. Follow us on all social media platforms at Amazi Beauty or visit our website, amazibeauty.co.za. On today's show, we have Nandi Lepu discussing grit in the time of overnight fame. Hello, Nandi. What an absolute pleasure to finally um, have you at Amazi. I see you're settling now. Marsha is about to, well, you've already started with your pedi and uh, very soon we'll be getting into your um, many experience. So welcome, welcome. Thank you. I must warn you, when I get very, very comfortable and settled, I fall asleep. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully the conversation will be interesting enough I'm to keep so you awake. Worried. She is like working it and it feels so good. I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. To start off, who is Nandi Mamagashaga Lepu? Wow. I always say whenever anyone asks me that, that and what do you do for a living? I slowly start feeling some like anxiety. It's like, it always feels like a question that's like a lot of pressure. Um, I would say that I'm a work in progress. Uh, Things that are definitive are the fact that I am, you know, I'm a woman, I'm an African woman. I am um, my mom's daughter. I am a mother to my seven-year-old son. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm someone's boss. I'm someone's friend. I'm someone's lover. And I am someone's enemy somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Somewhere out there. And I'm someone um, who I hope inspires and galvanizes like-minded women to pursue their truest north and everything that they aspire to become. Beautiful. Well, that's a mouthful. And um, after I said, makes me nervous. And then I do that. (laughs) You had a whole answer to it. But um, you and I officially met a few months ago um, at uh, an event that you had organized called The Futurist Female. Yes. Um, Today, we're in collaboration with your other creative platform called Bloom. Um, And together with Amazi, these are platforms that really about creating spaces for women to thrive. Absolutely. This seems to be a common theme um, in your career, in, in, in your space. So personally, why do you think it's important for us to curate the spaces? And for anybody else who's listening, why should they care that there's this movement to, to go out and be intentional about creating spaces for women? Um, so I created, started creating spaces uh, like this and started attending spaces like this. Um, it came from a personal need. I really was just at a point in my life where I just needed some constant inspiration, guidance and wisdom. And so what I would do is I would try find places that could offer me that. And what I couldn't find, I've I sought out and and created it. It's just the type of personality I am. If it doesn't exist, I believe that it's your responsibility to make it happen. Um, And I think that it's really important. I mean, I use the word like galvanize and inspire because when I think about how, like, okay, just simply, we all want to have beautiful lives, right? Mm -hmm. We all want to be fulfilled but it really isn't like it isn't that easy it isn't that easy being feeling and being fulfilled it isn't that easy pursuing your dreams and 
and everything else in life, we've, we've been taught it's allowed to, we're allowed to work at it. Mm -hmm. For instance, when you get like your driver's license, you know that you have to, you know, learn in order to get your driver's license. When you need to do anything, it's pr pretty much accepted that you have to like, you know, get guidance, learn, learn something in order to achieve it. But when it comes to living life, it's the one part where I feel like we don't put as much focus and emphasis as we should be, like learning, like how do you live your best life? I mean, it's so easy to tell people that, but how do you truly li like live your best life? And I think those are like learned things. And I think we live in an amazing time where there are people who have made it like their jobs to help us fulfill our dreams and to live our best lives. And then there are just people like you and I who have been like inspired and we want to do what we can to continue, you know, to give back to the community that's inspired us and helped us reach our own personal goals. So I suppose, like, why is it important? I mean, surely you want to live your best life, you know? <laughs> you know, and coming to places like this, it really, like, it feeds the soul. Yeah. You know, it, feels, it feeds the heart, it feels your intellect, you know? So I, I would say, like, there's, like, the school of life and these places, spaces, allow us to like tap into that and learn more about ourselves and each other. School of life, I love that. I, I absolutely love that. Okay. So you can have it. I'm owning it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's dive deeper into the name Women in Blue because I think it is such a perfect introduction into this topic okay. because I think it alludes to this whole concept of time, yes. patience, allowing the process to unfold. Yeah. Um, so Women in Bloom, so just to start from the beginning, so the, the platform is called Bloom and it's basically, it's a um, conversational space for creative women and creative entrepreneurs to come together to, you know, inspire, support, you know, um, and motivate one another. And Women in Bloom is basically our in real life interaction or mission, you know, based on that. And it's basically where we find women who are undeniably in bloom, women who have been like doing really great and amazing things in the creative space specifically, because that's where we, that's where our focus is. Mm -hmm. And we, we just want to shine um, a light on them. And I think for us, it's like the Women in Bloom is like, like you said, it's always trying to identify women who may not necessarily have a spotlight sh shone, is that the word, like the right phrase? Like who may not have um, a light shined upon them. Um, because I the do- The spotlight is not necessarily Yeah, because yeah. I do find that sometimes, you know, we, we, we get lazy and we feature the same woman. And we, mm. and, and you know, that prevents a lot of other amazing women from like growing and fully coming into their own power. So part of our thing is to also try, it's to celebrate, sure, the expected, but also to celebrate the, the unexpected and those that have been like, you know, growing and doing really amazing things for the last like five years, 10 years, but don't necessarily get an opportunity, you know? I call them the anonymous extraordinaires. Yeah, and there's a lot, yo, there's a lot of them in like in the world I mean but we'll just stick to Johannesburg there are a lot of really amazing women doing really great things yeah. in their respective spaces and that's the aim of Women in Bloom really. Awesome so our conversation topic today is grit in the time of overnight success a mouthful um, but I think you know just to I guess uh, be, uh, our, to begin our journey with with unpacking it what is grit to you? Have you defined 
what success is for Nandi and how have you used the tool of grit practically on your journey of success? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we can take it in bits. So um, the word grit. What grit? Yeah. Grit uh, for me um, means um, to be persistent. I think to be unwavering and to be determined. And I think that, you know, to be an entrepreneur, you have to, like grit is like a key ingredient. You have to be persistent. You have to like just keep going at it. Um, no, no matter like what's going on, whether like doors are getting shut in your face, mm. you know, opportunities are seeming less and few and far in between. Grit is that like magic ingredient where you, you get up to fight another day. Mm, mm. For me, that's what grit is. Um, and success, I honestly am still trying to figure that out. You know, sometimes success is just getting up. <laughs> <laughs> Making it through the day. <laughs> sometimes, and you know, you have to be kind to yourself sometimes. But sometimes for me, success is just, you know, getting up, uh, waking my son up, getting him ready for school, feeding him, taking him to school, getting to the office early, um, and, and, and then just like getting into the day. So at its very basic level, sometimes I, get, I have those days where I'm like, okay, this was a successful day simply because I showed up. Yes. Um, and then there's the um, more, um, I suppose, more focused and more considered success. So I have goals for myself. Obviously, I have goals for the entities that I've created. I have goals for my relationships and um, I hold them to an account on a weekly, monthly, yearly basis. I'm a person who likes to check in on themselves mm -hmm. a lot. So for me, success Success is relative to the thing, to the person, and to the occasion, but more than anything, it's about achieving goals that I've set for myself and working very hard towards them. And how have you practically used the tool of grit um, on well, this journey? And I love that you use the word uh, show up yeah. because that is something that I've become very obsessed with. You know, it, literally that's my morning question. Yeah. <laughs> how am I showing up for Kateho? Today. Yeah. I mean, show up can seem as trivial as just like, you know, getting to work, but it can go as deeply as like, did your, did, did your work ethic show up for yourself? When you sat down to do that, pro, uh, that proposal, did you show up? Mm -hmm. Like show up for me, like it has very many, many, many layers. Um, sorry, what was the question? <laughs> How have you used you oh, yeah. grit, you know, on this journey of success? Or is, is, do you perhaps have an example, you know, in, in you, you know, your, your, your life's journey where you, all you had was literally grit to get you moving one foot? <laughs> over yeah, the I think having, having, been, having started quite a number of things from nothing mm. is how I've constantly, like, showed up for myself and for my community. So I think, you know, people never know how hard it is to start anything. Well, actually, I think a lot of people know um, how hard it is to start something, whether you've just started your, you know, your, your, your fashion business, whether you've started your Instagram page and you have these like visions and like mm. dreams for it. Like it's really, really, really hard. But what I've done is, and I think, 
as a testament to my own grit is the fact that I have a company. Yes. Is the fact that I did leave and like a, a, a pretty cushy <laughs> job and position to to start from scratch for myself. So I really showed up for myself in a really major way. And every single day, um, you know, the fact that I I I work at this at the stream mm. is just it's just how I continuously show up for myself. Um, I, I think it's so valid that you know you mentioned that um, it's so hard to start something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think anybody, not even like starting a business, I think anybody who's in pursuit of, I don't know, creating, starting something, whether it's a professional or a personal goal, the it it often never comes in mimosas and. <laughs> um, 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 you know, manicures, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's very often, you know, rock bottom situations that um, you're faced with on the day to day. But the thing is, we live in a time where it, you know, we want to appear <laughs> like we have our ish in order. Yeah. And the truth is, none of us actually do. Mm-hmm. Where do you think this obsession comes from to appear like we really have our lives in order? I mean, yes, people will blame the whole social media culture, um, which I think, yes, does play a part. But I think, you know, for, for as long as, <laughs> you know, yeah. humans have been existing, there's just this obsession to keep up with the Joneses, to appear like I've got this. And, and, and I think mostly even... Would you say that women suffer from this more than men, or is it just one of those things? So I, don't, I think the keeping up with the Joneses. I think there's. I think it's um, it's a human truth or human vulnerability. I don't think it's specific to you know a particular gender or or race. Mm. I think that we 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 all want to be the best versions of ourselves, mm. and I think we. We, we present that because it's what we aspire to. You present what you aspire to. So I think sometimes um, people overthink. <laughs> people overthink other people's grids and other people's, you know, <laughs> and how people present themselves. I think that people are allowed to present the best version of themselves. And obviously we also have to remember that particularly in a social space and on a social platform, there's only so much vulnerability I will, um, you know, I'm willing to put on that platform, but I think what's more important is how we is how we present ourselves to each other as friends, as siblings, as family. I think in those spaces we shouldn't ever have to feel like we're ever have to feel like we have to pretend to be something we're not. And I'm not saying that by because I mean I think people always give you this like this advice of if you want to be a CEO or whatever, you know, like act like it, think it, mm-hmm. talk talk it, you know, look the part. And I think a lot of what happens, particularly on social media, is people, you know, looking the part in, in, a, in an attempt to, to be the part. And I think that's okay, you know? But obviously, this is me always looking at things with rose-tinted glasses. <laughs> um, but, but I think it's worth saying that I think that people should always... Um, present the best versions of themselves, but also in their own safe spaces, feel safe enough to be vulnerable and like in order and, and be able to share their flaws with their loved ones and those mm-hmm. people that they trust. 
So I would say, yeah, Instagram is Instagram. Don't take it too seriously. <laughs> is there such a thing as overnight success? There is no such thing as overnight success. There's a, what's that phrase? The 10,000 theory hours. No, no, no. no. It's um, when, people, uh, when people think overnight success, what it should really say is something like, you know, 10 years later or whatever. There's a, I'm going to find it during the break. Work was done. <laughs> yeah. But there's no such thing as overnight success. Maybe you just caught on to that person you know, once they had tipped, but a lot of people had been working, you know, years, decades to get to where they are, you know. So I definitely, I mean, point one out, I'll be very keen. <laughs> I, I don't know a single story of legitimate overnight success. And yeah. I think we use that phrase quite irresponsibly. There's no such thing. And I think, you know, you previously spoke about vulnerability, um, which I believe is a superpower if you can own your vulnerability. Yes. And part of, you know, being vulnerable is obviously, you know, sharing what happens <laughs> behind um, the image of what is perceived to be overnight success. And, you know, I always make the example of my best friend, Oprah Winfrey. Oh, wow. Where... <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I yeah. Was just on the, the other day. Yeah, we were just having margaritas too. But anyway, one of the reasons that I... <laughs> absolutely love Oprah is just how honest she is about her journey, even today. Yes. Um, and for me, I find that not a lot of us are able to own our vulnerability and our truth like someone like Oprah, you know, and, and I always make the example of, you know, she did her talk show, mm. most successful talk show. And then after 25 years, you know, uh, 25 seasons, that was done. And she started her network own. Yeah. And Which naturally, disaster, disaster, we assumed Oprah's going to thrive. Oprah, you know, queen of sledge, you know, yeah. it's going to happen. And it didn't. And she came out to the world to say, here I was thinking I know this media industry, thinking I've had a successful career in the space. Surely starting yeah. a network was going to be, you know, something organic, something quite it easy. And which is why when eventually, you know, the uh, own started, you know, becoming successful, you know, we were all rooting for her. Um, why do you think, and I, I think I want to specifically focus on those that have arrived or those that, you know, are on your Forbes covers and, you know, portrayed as successful women, etc. And let's bring it locally. Why do you think women of Oprah-like status, you know, Oprah is in a league of her own, so we're going to say Oprah-like. Why do you think they're not so open in sharing those vulnerabilities and the story behind the overnight success that we see? Um, sure. Um, and, and do you think, I mean, obviously, you know, everyone's responsible for their own life, etc. But do you think that this then feeds this idea that, oh my gosh, look at Mang Mang, look at Spansbani, <laughs> you know, because you don't know what happened behind the scenes, it, it, it gives you that illusion. Yeah, that, that fake illusion that they just made it. Yeah, I think, you know, hmm. I think everybody has a right to share or not to share their personal story. Mm -hmm. um, 
I, I, I think people who mislead people into thinking, when once, once shared, who mislead people into thinking that it really was an overnight success or, or are ashamed of their humble beginnings, that's problematic. But I think that we, we are blessed that there are, lots of, there are lots of successful women who want to share their stories. And like I said, I think that we've just fallen into the trap of like, perhaps relying on the same people over and over again. I think, mm. I think there are many Oprahs, but I don't think many of us have knocked on the, on, on, on the doors of those other Oprahs. There are lots of women who just want to- Just because we've packaged success- In a certain way. way. Yeah. And I think, but, but just back to um, A, I think really everybody has, it's not, not everybody is called to, you know, to teach. Mm. Not everybody is called, like, for that, for that person, for that successful, like, woman or entity, that their success to another person is inspiration enough without delving deep into their personal story or context. Just to see someone female and of color, you know, successful, we, we all understand what it could, what, could have transpired for them to get there because we already know without knowing the details that they, the very few of us come from privilege, just in, just in terms of like generations. We're yeah, just first generation, generation. Exactly, yeah. we're just not that deep enough. So you know when you look at these people that they must have had to go through and do their own fear of you know, fighting um, to achieve that level of success. But I really think that, you know, I'm always very careful to not set expectations for people mm. because I think that we need to be respectful to other people's personal journeys, triumphs mm. and failures. And I think sometimes we, we put too much pressure on others, on, 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 on others to do for, for us what we should be doing for ourselves. Mm. The truth of the matter is if you, you, you don't need to know about Oprah's um, story to be inspired by her. You don't need to know the details about, you know, her, her uncle. You don't need to know mm. the details about her, about how she grew up, how poor they were. You, you just need to see that this other human being that was born into this world with their own set of circumstances and challenges has managed to achieve this. Yes, yeah. That should be enough. I think sometimes we, we ask too much of other human beings. So, you know, for me personally, I define, you know, success for me as financial freedom plus freedom of time plus freedom to create and purpose, right? I, yeah, I think a lot of people would agree with you there. And I know that at various points in my life, there's one that takes precedence over the other. And we always know which is the last one to show up, financial freedom. Uh, but, you know, we, we're on our, our journey with that. And sometimes it becomes very, you know, I've, I, I, for me, I've prioritized, you know, creating in purpose. Yeah. And that very often comes at the cost of financial freedom, right? Um, and it sometimes becomes so difficult to stay committed to the journey. You know, it, it becomes very difficult to, I guess, stay in your lane when you look around you and you see perceptions of overnight success or yeah. perceptions of, you know, financial freedom or, or whatever. And you've been quoted as saying, we are constantly becoming. Yeah. Which again speaks to this idea of um, the concept of time and being patient with your bloom. How do you remain committed to your own life's trajectory? 
How do you remain committed to your path when there's all this noise around? Well, I really, I know what makes me happy and I know what makes me feel good. Mm. And I often, I often fall off the trajectory <laughs> and I have to check myself and like get, get back on it. Mm. And really like, I'm, th I'm 35 years old there out there now i'm 35 years old and i really hey, hey, to all the, 30, <laughs> the dirty 30 people <laughs> pushing 40 um, <laughs> we're not there yet. <laughs> um, 33 for me just 30, to put it out jesus there. age um <laughs> so i really I, i've always been like um when I was younger, I, I thought of myself as a thrill seeker. And the older I've gotten, that's, the thrill has like evolved into like, you know, pleasure. And now I understand it to be like happy. Like mm -hmm. I, I really am quite selfish about what will make me happy. And, 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 and that's what I serve. I, 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 I serve what will make me happy. I think what makes me, what makes me happy has been informed so much by my values mm. that um, it, it, it has become quite purpose-driven. But I think because, you know, my mom raised me well and raised me with a, with a pretty good set of values. I, I, do, I do want when I, when I pass, that someone that I, I pass with like, I suppose, um, feeling like I had contributed to the world. Mm -hmm. It's not enough for me to, to take and to consume. And, and, and we all do, we take and we all consume. Yeah. But I really do hope that when I'm like 75, you know, sipping on a non-alcoholic gin and tonic, <laughs> I'm gonna be, I'm gonna turn to my partner and be like, yeah, you know, I really, in, in my own way, I did kind of make this world a better place, right? I really want, that really, really is very important to me. It's why I left advertising. I didn't feel like I was making <laughs> the world a better place. Um, but yeah, I hope I answered your question. <laughs> yeah, um, so I guess, you, as you've said, you know, just by prioritizing and knowing what makes you happy yeah. is what keeps you in check. But I have to be honest, I have very practical things that I do. Like I, the checking in thing for me is actually quite important. Like mm -hmm. the setting of goals, checking in on them regularly. I have um, annual strategic sessions, you know, and I also have someone that I check in with every month. Like there are very practical things. I used to have a life coach for um, a couple years. So they're very practical things that I- I've actually heard you speak about this whole, um, accountability partner thing i think yeah. uh, you said you and your girls yes beginning of the year your dinners are not just dinners no we set up we set up our goals and we say this is goals um for ourselves like spiritually this is the kind of person i want to be this year mm. i want and and then you go okay cool if this is the kind of person what are you going to do to make to you it. yeah and these are the goals i'm trying to achieve for my uh, my company then how how are you going to achieve those and you just check in like you, you, you check in like, so it also helps that I have a mentor who I meet with once a month. Mm -hmm. So those goals like then like become, have to become a plan because now I, when I speak to my mentor and, 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 and he holds me quite accountable as, as he should, he's like, yo, but I thought you said you are gonna do this. I thought we were gonna be here by this time. Mm -hmm. I see you're getting distracted. And it's just really great having that like relationship. You're spending too much time at Amazi drinking mimosas and getting emails. <laughs> you're not spending enough time at, at Amazi. 
<laughs> is probably what he'd say. Um, but yeah, so I think um, setting up, you know, things around you to help you stay on track is also important because, you know, otherwise it's just wishful thinking. Yeah. It's just a dream, you know, and it has to become like an actionable plan. And it's different from person to person. So it's great having um, friends, but I mean, I've, I've often gone the extra step of procuring the services of a life coach yeah. to help me. I've had a business coach when I, before I transitioned from um, my from being an employee to employer, I had a, a business coach for about um, a year, two years. And then, yeah, just my mentor. So I have things that I've put in place to help keep me accountable. And whenever I stray, to bring me back. Yeah, just to bring me back. No, I think it is important. I mean, even here at Amazi, um, you know, our story is that, you know, we don't see our tribe as technicians. Yeah. We, we see them as women with great potential. And one way we keep them accountable to that is we have, we've, we've created a tool called the Roadmap of Progression. And it literally forces them to go beyond entry level junior technician right up until whatever their ultimate goal is. Ona be it Onamazi. <laughs> Literally, that, that's that ultimate goal, right? To have yeah. these women be um, uh, co-partners in, in, in the brand in whatever way best serves their purpose. It could be co-owning a store. It could be, you know, working in the academy. Um, so I think it is important that we find these tools that keep us accountable. And that's one way Amazi is keeping itself accountable um, to make sure that our team does not remain stagnant. Um, what has been the hardest thing about getting you to where you are now? Saying no to people and disappointing other people. Mm. Yeah, so um, I think The, 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 the more successful one becomes, the more opportunities come your way. And, you know, I've had to say no to some really great opportunities. And like, it's, it, it, it's been very, very hard, but I know that my focus will be rewarded. And um, so I, 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 I'm having to say no a lot, a lot more than I would have thought, and no to great things. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, no, this doesn't serve my, my end goal. It doesn't serve me, it doesn't serve my end goal. And you know, sometimes um, people take that, that no per personally. So that's been quite hard. Like when you, be it, um, it's always easier when it's not people you know. Yeah. But the, the truth of the matter is, it, it, it is often opportunities from people you know, and you have to just kind of say, I see you, I see right. this, but it, it's not for me. So that's been really hard. This, these last three months for me have been really hard, but I always take it as a good sign. Mm. When lots of people are asking you to collab, <laughs> it's a sign that you are, you know, like you're, you're, you're beginning to shine, your glow up is a real thing. So, um, but it's hard. It's hard letting people you care about down. And I say that in inverted commas again, because I don't think when you're serving your purpose and you say no to someone else and their purpose, that's not letting them down, yeah. you know? It's just, it's perceived that way, but it's not letting them down. It feels that way, but it's not letting them down. Powerful, just saying no. Yeah, saying no is hard. Mm. Saying no is like, 
people need to give classes on how to say no. Have you ever tried to say no to someone and then you over-explain? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, all that was required was no thank you. Here you are, yeah, so you know, and then my mom had cancer, and then, you know, my family, we were thinking, <laughs> it's just, just say no. Like, it, it's, saying no is really, really, really hard. Yeah. So, you know, we've previously spoken about the, the idea that, you know, the journey of self-actualization, the journey to your highest self yeah. is not an easy one. Um, can you share a moment in your life that, you know, I guess became a catalyst in birthing this man, a, a, a story in your life and experience. You know, for me, I always say that the failure of my first business, you know, that was rock bottom. Um, and the only way up was to rebuild. And, you know, that that's when I, I guess I got introduced to, to, to my highest self. Yeah. Um, can you share a story where you felt, oh my goodness, it's game over. But for some, in hindsight, you look back at that period in your life and you say, that was actually a setup to my come up. Um, yeah, there are so many catalysts like, you know, I've, um, I don't think I've ever hit rock bottom financially per se. Mm. I mean, but I think rock bottom is relative. I'm yeah. sure if I told someone, you know, hey, it was on my NAS that account, <laughs> they'd be like, yeah, you hit rock bottom. But for me, that's not rock bottom. Rock bottom is like not having a place to sleep. Mm. You know, like I've always had um, I've a great family structure of support. But um, I think a catalyst, um, I would say, hitting was with 2018. So sometime, <gasps> yeah, okay, yes. <laughs> Last year, I, I was working on, on a really painful campaign. It was so painful, like, sure. Like you ever like I would I would get to the office and I'd be like early, dude, like I'd get there. Like, work only starts at nine. I'm in the parking lot by like 730, but it takes me an hour just to pull myself together and walk into the office. That's how like unhappy yeah. I was. And I was working on this really, really huge campaign. And one of my clients was just like, a hateful person. There's no, there's just like no other way to put this. Like, it felt like they derived some level of joy by making not just myself, but other people feel small. And I was just like, and 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 and, and I think I'm quite tough. And I got, I'd swallow it, and you know, I'd stand up for myself in ways that I felt were appropriate. But you know, you're always trying to respect the fact that this is a client at the end of the day. So sometimes you you just want to drop the mic and walk out the boardroom, but you actually can't, you know. And I just remember it was a long campaign. <laughs> this was like a six month campaign. It was really long, and it broke my heart and was a constant test to my spirit. And then it, it had me like questioning a lot of things about my career. I was like, we're not saving lives. We're just trying to get this ad 
you know, um, on, on, on air. Yet, like, literally people are, like, having, like, nervous breakdowns. I'm just like, this is ridiculous. And that, that really tough six months, and I'd had this, like, converse, this, this crisis come up many times mm. in my career. Like, the, what am I doing this for? Like, what's the point? Yeah. Like, I'm, An existential crisis. Yeah, it, it's happened several times in the course of my career, but this was, like, the last one, where I was like, I can't, I can't, I, I couldn't feel like, I, I didn't feel like I was the mother, the, the mother that I wanted to be, because my job took up so many hours that that there were just certain things, there were certain ways I wanted to be there for my child that I just wasn't able to be there for him for. So for instance, like making it to a school play, like taking time, and those things are happening at 12, whatever. So that in parallel to this like really, really bad like um, campaign that I was working on, to like the time it was taking, the emotional angst it was causing me, um, and I remember just like driving and while, while like turning like into the road of my office, like just by the traffic circle, at, before I'd even finished the turn, I was sobbing. Like I was, oh I was like in tears and I was like, what's going on? And, and, and that came, that was happening quite, it started happening quite frequently where I'd be in the middle of something and just like, would just like break down. Just like, I'm so unhappy. And I would just like cry and laugh and cry and then comment on myself, like how crazy is this whole thing? But like literally for me, those six months of like emotional like angst and just mm -hmm. like this existential crisis of what, what why what am I doing this for because I don't mind hard work mm. I don't I don't mind that the person it was the what it was for that I just was up it didn't it just didn't match up and I think for me that was like listening to my heart at that point I, I just knew that I had like this was it and I and I remember my boss could it's like he could see it he was you know giving me bonuses randomly like you know you get a bonus like in March and you're like yo my review is like in October like you're getting like money into account just we appreciate you wow. they could just see it like um Nandi is checking oh. out and, um, and in that time, and I resisted the urge to just quit. I was like, cool, I'm going to check out, but what am I going to check out for? Check out to create what? Mm. And then... That's a beautiful question. Yeah. What am I and, checking out for? Yeah, because it's, it's very easy, because I feel like if I had just quit, because the one situation was just like not working out for me, I would have just gone and joined another agency. Mm. And this existential crisis would have manifested itself in a different way. And as a result of something else, because it had always been there. What am I doing this for? Um, and so I spent um, a couple more months like asking myself, like, you know that silly question, if you had the money, if what, it, would, you what would you do? Like, what kind of business would you build? What would you do in the everyday? And I started getting a picture of what that could look like, and that got me very excited. Um, excited enough to be brave and resign. And I think, yeah, and I, and yeah, so I think for me that, that, and I think it's twofold, like listening to my spirit when it was unhappy, when it wasn't happy, and then going further and asking it, but what would make you happy was, I think for me, like really um, life-changing and defining. And we don't have those moments with ourselves. 
And I yeah, think I think we, we all do. get that um, heartfelt moment. Yeah. The heartfelt moment is... <laughs> But we you find know, it's universal. <laughs> yes, but yeah. what we do is we, you know, you you leave the job and take another no. one, and you don't actually stop to think about what were the things that actually were making you unhappy and what could make you unhappy. Actually, sometimes it's a, we just focus on what made me unhappy instead of saying what would make me happy. And I think if I just answered the question, what would make me, what was making me unhappy, I could have easily replaced, you know, the, the agency with, some, with another agency. Mm -hmm. But I think what was pivotal to me was asking myself, okay, cool, Nandi, but what would make you happy? Because now you don't want to be at a restaurant and randomly start crying. That would be awkward. So yeah, that was really like, yeah, life, life, life changing for me, really, it has been. Awesome. So we're about to go into our break because the mimosas do need to flow. Um, but, you know, just to check in on your experience right now, are you enjoying your treatment with Masha? I forgot she was there. <laughs> <laughs> She's so gentle. I actually forgot she was there. And the conversation has kept me very distracted. But yeah, I love that color. Awesome. So we're going to take a quick break and then we'll carry on. Amazi Beauty is at Reserve Street in Bromfontein, Golden Acre Shopping Centre in Cape Town and N1 City in Cape Town. Thanks to our sponsors, Washandal and Maverick and Jane. So we're back and have you chosen your colour for your hands? I have. You've chosen a nude for your, for your feet. Mm, Are we going like bright? Pinky, so. purpley, what is it called? Uh, it's the bunny blush. Yeah. And what are we doing on the hands? The red. The red. Oh. oh. <laughs> red, by the way, is, is um, when we define the ultimate Amazi woman, uh, red is her color. Well, You'll no you will notice that a lot of I'm the time. Andy, 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 <laughs> the ultimate. Um, you'll notice that, you know, most of the time our tribe will always have red lipstick on. And that is to say, even when you're going through the most, a woman with red lips is on a mission. And that is what we're on. Well, yeah. I think the more appropriate thing that should happen now is you are wearing a red lip. today. I'm a woman what on a mission. What mission are you on? <laughs> What mission am I on? Sure. Um, for me, I think I've come to believe that I'm here on this earth to celebrate women. And Amazi is one vehicle I get to use to achieve that purpose. Mm -hmm. And simply put, that's all I want to do. What, what makes my heart do somersaults is seeing women thriving, literally. And that is an Amazi, um, that is our Amazi purpose, to create a world where women thrive. So I'm one third of, you know, the team that's trying to make that happen. So that's a mission I'm on, really just to celebrate women. Um, I mean, you see, I've taken the stereotype. I know. And like, and <laughs> forget her one question, we're gonna keep her moving. So just back to the topic, um, which is um, all around grit. Mm. I think now when you, you're also quite a woman in bloom, I think um, with the coverage that you've um, received of late and popular publications, a person who's just stumbled upon your life would 
would, would, would literally think the same, would be like, wow, this Katlejo, look at her, she's like doing big things and not have like the, appreciate the context of your journey, yeah. you know, beginning from bliss to where you are now. Mm-hmm. If you could briefly summarize, you know, the journey to where you are now, making sure to highlight your successes, your failures, and the lessons that you've taken into this new chapter of your life. Sure. Um, so it's, it's, it's funny that you mentioned bliss because I don't know, I feel like <laughs> my life before bliss is a blur. <laughs> and then bliss was just this um, huge bomb um, in my life, which, you know, is a restaurant that I started um, many years ago. I was very young then. Um, and really the reason it's called bliss is I was in pursuit of my bliss. Um, I'd also become that person that goes to work and crying on my way to work. And one day I thought to myself, but this can't be it. I, there's no way that I'm signing up for this to be, you know, the rest of my life. And obviously I felt I was in my early twenties. I thought surely, you know, um, 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 there's more to it. And I found myself actually buying, uh, a copy of a popular publication and the first page that I opened to was a quote that said the secret to life is to follow your bliss mm. and that resonated with me in a way that you know even today I still can't bring myself to properly articulate but what made sense then was that I needed to follow this bliss whatever this bliss was mm. so obviously being a hospitality major and um, you know it became a natural thing, you know, to do something in the hospitality yeah, the space. assumption. Yeah. Exactly. But also, I think a lot of us in this room here can relate. We, we know, we remember the sitcom Girlfriends. Yeah. Um, I'd always considered myself Joan, right? <laughs> Who hasn't? <laughs> yeah. It's even the sex in the city. We're all Carries as far as we're concerned. Exactly. We're all Joan. Okay, there's a Samantha. Oh, there's a Samantha in the room. There's a Samantha in the room. Okay, that's a first. Which means um, there must be a Maya then. Yeah. So Lufuno, people find her on Instagram. So Lufuno felt she's a Samantha. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, even now, Tracy Ellis Ross is just, I think, Oprah's the bestie and uh, Tracy's the co-bestie. But anyway, so if you guys, if you guys remember, towards the end of... Um, the series, um, Joan had a restaurant and she called it the J spot. And I remember just randomly after graduating from university saying to my mom, Lynn, now one day I'm going to own the K spot. And I guess that's the power of the tongue, right? The power of speaking things into existence. I was joking at that point, but you know, fast forward to when I read this quote, the secret, you know, is to follow your bliss. It made sense that, my bliss was opening the case spot mm-hmm. um, and first generation entrepreneurship struggles. You know, we've spoken about how, you know, most of us here are doing things for the first time, um, even in our own families and, and communities and opened bliss, which was a tapas and sushi bar in Johannesburg. I was 25. So very naive. Um, but I think I, 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 I knew that, I was on a mission mm. and that came with its struggles. It was a you know, self-funded business. And when I say self-funded, it's a business that, you know, that was funded by my mom's life savings. So there was a lot of pressure to make this succeed. And unfortunately, after running it for two and a half years, I had to make the decision to close it. 
and it was a very difficult decision. And I remember when I made that decision, there were three questions that haunted me. And the first one was naturally, you know, had I failed myself? Mm-hmm. The second one was, had I failed my mother? Absolutely. And the last one was, had I failed women? And the reason I was focused on women was that I'd have a lot of women come into the restaurant and say, oh my gosh, you know, you've inspired me. Um, If you can do this, surely I can also be in pursuit of my bliss. And so with the closure of bliss was I had taken the responsibility to say, had I now killed the dreams of women that had come into the space and thought it was possible? And so with the first question, had I failed myself, I guess that was a two year healing journey of just coming to self and realizing that actually failure is a prerequisite to success on this journey of life or, you know, entrepreneurship, being a creator. And with my mom, I remember she said to me, you've not failed me. I would rather have a life where we've had an attempt at fulfilling dreams than a life of what ifs. And that gave me, I guess, the biggest peace. Um, with women, I think that became now the journey of how do I go out and celebrate women? How do I make sure that women that are pursuing their blisses and opening their blisses don't make the same mistakes that I make so that they have to close the doors to their bliss? And we find ourselves now here at Amazi where, you know, there's been a lot between bliss and, and Amazi, but I think the journey this was a natural, I guess, progression for me, um, largely through a lot of synchronicity and also just, I guess, knowing self or being on the journey of deliberately trying to know self. I mean, I just have to like, um, take, like close the circle here. Earlier I mentioned um, how we have to continuously check in with ourselves because while we're busy living, our dreams and our aspirations evolve and they grow. Yeah. And sometimes when you don't check in yourself, you might find that the uh, case spot was a legitimate and a valid dream, you know, when mm-hmm. you were 18, 19. And now the opportunity came and instead of stopping to check whether, yeah. is, is, is that uh, checking in with yourself, is that dream still valid today? Mm-hmm. You went in and we try to fulfill the case spot with bliss. Yeah. I think that's also like just something like I think a lot of us can like identify with is mm-hmm. like we had this inclination five years ago and now we have this opportunity and now we create from that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so um, your I, I, what I thought was quite interesting was even with with bliss, mm. one could say that you were still creating a space where people were coming together. Yeah. And that could really be seen as a common theme in your pursuit. And I mean, it, I, I think it's no coincidence that you've then got on, even with Spark, yes, now to a, a, yeah. a Mazi. And I think it's quite interesting that if you actually, if you look at the decisions you've made in the past, they can really start serving as clues as to where you should be going. Absolutely. Uh, and I think that's where the magic is, right? Yeah. And I think as, as you've rightfully put that, when you have those moments where you check in on self to say, Am I still on is this that? What I still want? Yeah, is this still what I want? You know, is is this still what makes me happy? Is I always say, you know, am I in flow? That's the question that I ask myself. Um, and you're right. The 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 theme is I I'm I'm someone who loves to create experiences, loves to create spaces, um, and that's been a common theme mm. in all the various 
um, I guess, professional, um, even in my personal life, you know, yeah. just the thrill of bringing communities together. And then um, earlier you asked me, what does grit mean to me? So I'm going to put that to you. What does grit <laughs> mean to you? And how has grit shown up in your life? Like how, when was the time, was there a particular instance where you were like, you know what, I only made it through this like period or this chapter because I, that, that thing they call grit, I had it here. It's only through. <laughs> Look, I think um, grit is that... that perseverance, that how much do I really want this? Um, it's the, would you still continue on this journey even if there was no paycheck, even if there was no audience to yeah. impress? Um, you know, and I think for me, that's, that, that, that's what grit is. And sure, it's, it's shown itself in so many ways in my life. I mean, um, obviously, I guess, you know, the bliss story is the most um, obvious one because, you know, the, the closure of that, I went through a real, you know, depressive space where the question was, well, what am I supposed to do with my life? Um, I thought I'd found my bliss. I thought I'd found my purpose. Now, here I am. Um, but I guess I am still too young to just give up. Mm. And that period, yes, I went through, I guess, what you call paralysis, where you just think the world is over. But there was something, and I guess that inner voice, that aha, you know, as, as our bestie Oprah, you know. <laughs> a mutual bestie. Uh, calls it. <laughs> and I think to even venture back into entrepreneurship, that took a lot of grit after the first failure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, just in terms of what, in, in, your, in your day to day, when you're feeling particularly like down, when you know those days when it's just really hard to get up, what, what do you tell yourself to motivate yourself to show up? I've got a personal mantra, and it literally is a play on my name, because uh, my name Katleho means success. Um, and so my mantra is simply Akeha Katleho, which means continue to succeed, continue to flourish. And I, you know, I, I, I guess repeat that a couple of times throughout the day, particularly in moments where I feel like it's game over. Yeah. And that for some reason has whatever magic powers it has. And, and I think someone, I think it's Upile Chisala, who's a you know, poet say, you know, who speaks about the power of a name, the, you know, the, the, the power of what you respond to. Mm. And I don't think my parents at all made a mistake by calling me Katleho. And I'm very intentional about, um, you know, living, to, living up to, to my name. So simply repeating the mantra, Atleha Katleho, seems to be how I, you know, call myself to action, how I remind myself to show up for myself. And it can be and yeah. Wow. I don't speak Sutu. But <laughs> that sounded really profound. 
like I said, it's simply a play on my name. Kata hoj means yeah, to succeed. To succeed yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, did you want to ask me? Yeah, that? I, 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 <laughs> I'm going to take over now. Um, you are quoted as saying, you know, our deepest fear by Marion Williamson. Oh, and we have a hot moment in the room. <laughs> Is one of your favorite pieces. Yeah. Can you share a part of this um, piece and why this is such an important piece of literature? I mean, I say this with absolutely no shame, but I didn't, I didn't find out about the, the piece of prose through Nelson Mandela, like maybe the rest of the world did. <laughs> and isn't maybe the world I, over? I was watching Coach Carter. <laughs> I, was watching, <laughs> I was watching Coach Carter. And um, and the, the 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 delinquent, the cute yeah. delinquent, um, you know, cited it, and I bawled. That like it was it connected, like it was just it felt it it felt like I had written it, and I've used the the prose and, and, and certain lines of that prose at different parts of my life. It's it's always been applicable. Mm. It's always been applicable. Um, Yo. And, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm going to mess it up a little bit, but like even how it starts, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. It is that we are powerful beyond, beyond measure. measure. And that, that is when you think about how people. Lots I mean, of yeses in the yeah, room. <laughs> how, how we how we self-sabotage. Mm. Self-sabotage comes from a fear of our own personal greatness and perhaps our insecurity about our abilities to fulfill that greatness. So I was. Hey, hey. <laughs> So, so um, just the first line like connected with me in a really, really deep and profound way. The fact that, quite honestly, I think it it it, it is our it, it's our greatness that really, really frightens us and causes us to self sabotage. Mm -hmm. You know, I think. It, yeah, and, and I, 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 I contemplate around self-sabotage a lot because I think that, you know, we, we do it daily. Um, but I'm just trying to think of another part of the, of the, of the prose that actually yeah. speaks to me now. But I have quoted it so many times. In fact, every single article, like if you find anything on me that asks me. So here's evidence there. that I did research on you. <laughs> It's there. It, it, it really, really, it really is there. And that part where it says, we are all meant to shine like children do. It's not just in some of us, it's just, it is in all of us. And I mean, dude, every, every line, yo, every single line of yeah. that issue, Marion was absolutely inspired and speaking for the world when she wrote that piece of prose. Yeah. So it really, it really has, I, I draw from it all the time. I really do. You have your mantra. I have, I have that, that prose. Stunning. And I think that that's a beautiful way to bring in the audience because I think the minute we introduced that, everybody had um, some sort of response to that. So, I mean, a different kind of beauty podcast is really based on the authentic conversations that women have when they come in a space like a nail bar. Um, and for that reason, we're going to open it up to the audience to 
Ask Nandi whatever's on your mind. <laughs> or share whatever's on your mind. Oh, share, yeah. It doesn't even have to be a question. It can be a comment. Hey, so you. we're just going to get our team to pass the mic through and then, yeah. Um, so my name is Kumo. And for the purposes of what I'm about to ask, um, I'll state my occupation. I am a makeup artist and I have been doing this for about 10 years now. And based on that, I need to ask, how important is it for you to recognize your own milestones? Mm -hmm. Because I've seen in my own journey, especially this year, I struggled to come to terms with the fact that it's been 10 years and I felt like I still needed to keep going and pushing myself and everything in my universe was saying, take a knee, take it in, enjoy it. You've worked this hard, you've come this far. Um, but I wanted to find out from, from you in your own respect, um, from your career, how important is it for you to, you know, gauge your milestones and do you celebrate yourself? And if so, how do you do that? I mean, I think it's very important to celebrate yourself as to whether I do, no, I don't. <laughs> uh, I, I don't, it's, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I have to work quite hard at backing myself. I do, I do things without, with, with, without the expectation, without actually, like, I suppose without thinking it through the impact. I just, I, I just create stuff because it fulfills me. It's actually a very selfish journey. Um, but I don't, I, I really don't. And as a result, I can be unnecessarily hard on myself. Mm. And, and, and as a result of that, I can be prone to, you know, like minor bouts of um, depression and like, and, 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 and intense self-doubt. But I'm, I'm very good at like, yo, I can lift myself up, but it's never been, oh, you, you did such an amazing thing. Look at that, look at that. I'm like, it makes you happy to do it. Just do it. Uh, my name is Lufuno, and I'm just going to add on to what has been said. So in terms of celebrating self, it's funny. I always used to punish myself because I always used to think, why don't you celebrate yourself? I've done amazing things, you know, and it takes like years to actually go back and be like, oh, I did that, yeah. you know, and then you're like, but I never celebrated that. But I've come to realize that we have an idea of what celebrating self is absolutely and we think it must include champagne for Lifting instance you know whatever. doing doing certain things to celebrate self what i have not been conscious of and recently became conscious of is every time i've had extra work over and above my steady flow of income i go out and i buy myself a beautiful dress i've done that for years whether it's thrifted or at my favorite shop or ridiculously expensive, if I will consciously go out to a shopping space and I will look for a dress that speaks to me and I will buy it guilt-free. I worked for this money. It's mine. And I, I love this dress and I'm happy. And I've realized that that's my form of me rewarding myself and celebrating. But I used to do it like a zombie. So, yeah. ka-ching, the invoice is in, Dress. you know? And in my mind, I was just becoming a girl. Money's in, so I'm going shopping. But actually, it's, it's, it's always just been one dress. Mm. And so I have a collection of dresses that are beautiful and I can just sit in my closet and hug them and love them and I'm happy. And in terms of the dips and the healing and the coming back up, uh, whew, 
I'm considered somewhat of a healer. Everybody follows me on Instagram knows that I'm I'm church for the non-church goers. <laughs> so so no no babe, I get it. Church is not so cool for me anymore. I've got a lot of questions that need answering and I'm going through the process of question and answer in a space that's not high pressure and your mom actually ordering you to go to church. But I share. I share the word every single day. It's not based on any specific thing. In most instances, it's not something I'm going through. Sometimes it is something I'm going through and I find that other people are going through the same thing. And then sometimes I would post a verse and delete it or post a quote and delete it. And I don't know why I keep deleting it, but it's just not fitting in. And then I find one and I put that one out. And then my DMs flow. Like there's a flood of people going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I didn't know, oh, I'm feeling this way, oh. And it's like, oh shoot. But you know, the scary thing about that is then you realize that you're providing healing for other people and then you neglect yourself. And I've neglected myself for so many years. I've always literally been the person that people come to for a hug or problems or advice or money, like anything. And I would self-sacrifice. I would help you get through what you're getting through. And I would not share that I am going through something. It has had to take a very drastic turn, but a necessary one where I'm now in therapy. And I'm proudly and happily so. And it took a lot of resistance and fighting anyone that suggested it. Like, hell no, I don't need that. I got my God, I got my Bible, I'm going to pray. You know, I want to get this right by myself. But truth of the matter is, at some point, you need to now get to channel the dips so that they actually make sense. And you realize that they're not... They're not a representation of failure. They're not a representation of, of destruction. They are the actual path. But because you're unaware, <laughs> you're unaware of the purpose they serve, you kind of allow yourself to drown in the dip. And what I've realized now in therapy is that my therapist is amazing because I just go in there and I just, I let rip about literally anything. There's never, uh, this is your homework. You must now go home and do this. The only thing I always leave that room is be kind to yourself, be kind to yourself, be kind to yourself. No matter what happens, take a deep breath, pull back, sit in your car, take a deep breath, be kind to yourself. What are you doing to be kind to yourself? So I think once we start realizing that the dips are the path, and you channel them, you're able to use them to catapult you to exactly where you need to go. And it's such an amazing space to be in. But we've been taught that it's not okay to have a dip. It's not okay to actually share that you're struggling, that you're sad, that you're in pain, that you actually have no idea why you're crying today, but you're flipping down. Because you turn around and everybody will be like, oh, but Nandi, you've got feel-good series and you have a nice car and you have a house and you have your child and you are in love. So you pull back and you keep quiet and you suffer in silence. So now in my quest to heal self and still be able to heal others, yeah, I've, played my, I've placed myself in that vulnerable space where I'm now saying, 
flip man today's bad and i'm not even gonna pretend i'm not gonna smile and when somebody asks me hi lufuna how are you today i'm not well but i'm alive and i'm walking and i'm gonna do what needs to be done to get through this but i will be okay but I'm not going to lie to you now and say I'm okay because it's messing with your mind right now. You are crying, I'm okay. Why are you crying, I'm okay? <laughs> you know, you are saying no, but your head is saying yes. Yeah. So I think it's just, it's just that thing where we all just need to be so kind to ourselves and allow yourself to heal. And it's okay to have snot and trana days where you literally just stay in your bed and eat porridge and, and don't want anyone. And... It's, it's important. It's necessary. Yeah. Get through it, though. You know, do that and then get up and clean yourself up and be like, okay, yesterday was cry day. What did I cry about? How do I fix it? Then get up and go. Thank you for sharing, Lufuna. I think I really liked what you said about um, sometimes, like, celebrating ourselves may not look like what we expect it to look you know, and I, I'm really going to think about that because you might find that I've been celebrating myself, but because it doesn't look like how I've been told it should look. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. But I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident. And I think I feel like if I didn't celebrate myself, I wouldn't be as confident because I think that's that's how you nurture confidence, I think. Hi, everyone. I'm Khabi Singh. Um, Nandi, I just want to know, on the topic of today, maybe both you and Katla can answer this, it might be a short answer. Um, where do you think you learned grit from? You know, um, I know, I, so I'm an employer now as well, and um, I think I can tell the difference in somebody who will manage in our environment and somebody who can't. And at times I feel overwhelmed because I feel that I cannot teach this, certainly not in a year, and so, unfortunately, I cannot take that person onto my team. And so, I want to know, where did you guys learn it? For me, I think from my mother. Um, I, I lost my older brother when I was 12. And three years later, my dad passed on. And what this meant for my mother was that you know she lost a son and she lost her husband but for some reason she was still pushing ahead she was still putting one foot um in front of the the other so yeah i think simply put my mother i mean i also have to say the same i think i definitely learned grit from my mom when I think, you know, as a parent, your, your children are actually front, front, front row and center of your, of your life's victories and your failures. And just having seen how she has just, has just like kept on going. My mom has had um, several businesses in her lifetimes. They were successful until they were not. And how to see her go from no one business to the other um, has, has inspired me. You know, when I wanted to stop my first business, you know, when I was like seven years old, uh, my mom supported me. Like, you know, you watch these American uh, programs where kids are selling lemonade. I gay. I tried selling lemonade, it didn't catch. Quickly changed the model, sold upompi instead. <laughs> 
Um, and like literally, I remember my mom. Um, and the business was a failure, of course. I was seven. I didn't didn't understand, you know. And uh, around the same time, I just learned about um, IOUs. So my size, so sweets, upombi, and everything. And I didn't need to. I just it wasn't even for pocket money. I just like wanted to start a business because my mom was a business um, owner. And I remember. Um, now the and the sweets as well. Now I need to like count how much money I've made, and would open up my bag, plastic yam where I used to put the cash, and there was literally maybe like coins here and there, and it was filled with a lot of IOUs because I was dipping into my own supply. When it was hot, I grab upombi and I'd write myself an IOU. But like seriously, but like it was just my mom just being there for me and just like then you know it's it could have been very easy for a person to be like ah you're not cut out for this leave it no she's like well you know stop dipping into your own thing and i was back at it then i was like you know what i'm gonna decrease my expenses i'm rather gonna make my own bombi instead of buying and marking up so that and my mom was there like teaching me all these things along the way and like she would never really let me give up without an explanation or without really good cause if i wanted to stop my business it would i think she would have let me um i shut it down if i said oh it's too much work compared to school work i need to focus on this but jay just because you failed she was like well no readjust reevaluate and do it again and that's how i was raised in terms of hiring people I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm currently going through the most right now because the thing is people don't, I'd never really respected or appreciated what a personal investment it is when you hire someone. Mm. I don't think people you hired or who have worked with you know how invested you are in them and know how much it actually, it, it hurts and worries you when you don't see them thriving or when you don't thrive together. Mm. I don't, I, I, I genuinely don't, I do not think people get that. Like when you hire them, you're actually, you're backing them, you're co-signing them. So I, I'm, I'm still learning about all that, year one and all, but yeah. So our podcast, Nandi, is titled A Different Kind of Beauty. And in wrapping up, what makes you a different kind of beauty? I'm, I'm very smart. <laughs> I'm incredibly smart, yeah. I've never been a person, um, I've never considered myself to be very beautiful. I've always considered the thing that made me most attractive was the fact that I was very smart. I was, I'm book smart and I'm also just like, grace of God smart. <laughs> um, so I, I think my, my, my beauty really comes from my intelligence. When someone is attracted to me because of the things I've achieved, those were my smarts that created that. It wasn't how I looked that created that. Um, I've attracted all my opportunities, not because of how I look, but because of the entities that I've built and the things that I've achieved. So my, my, my beauty is like on how smart I am. Thank you so much for honoring us with your presence. Like our mission statement, you're a beauty on a mission and we celebrate you. Thank you, I love that. <laughs> Support for a different kind of beauty was proudly brought to you by Boshandal Wines. 
beautifully, meticulously crafted wines. Boschendal wines emphasize on the utmost quality and elegance when crafting our incredible wines. Boschendal wines, an inspired life, and inspired you. Catch us on all social media platforms on at Boschendal Wines. Support for a different kind of beauty was proudly brought to you by Maverick and Jane. Maverick and Jane's motto, Choose Adventure, encapsulates human spirit and the will to go beyond the ordinary. Follow at Maverick and Jane on all social media for the love of gourmet popcorn. <laughs>